Nice. I don't know it. You're not into Cuphead? No, I don't know Cuphead. <sighs> what is Cuphead? Cuphead is a very, very popular uh, video game. Oh, Cousin okay. to Saucer Face. <laughs> yeah, the, the guys actually have little Cupheads. And when they shoot, because they shoot, they use their fingers. They shoot with their fingers. Don? Yes, Cash? Yes? Really dead seal burial grounds. The Huntington Beach dead seal burial grounds. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> That's right. We talked about that the last time, death farts. <laughs> no. What are what your viewers or listeners thought of that? We can be on the uh, fishing boat off the coast of Maine again. Let's do that. I'd rather be on the fishing boat. Okay, Tom's... The lobster boat. The Tom Schilling uh, Memorial Lobster Boat. <laughs> I'm very curious about this thing that popped up. I was looking for your plane crash thing, and Are some it... lady walked in and shot up YouTube headquarters today? Yeah, that, no, that was, that was yesterday. 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 Yeah. yesterday. I didn't hear about that. Oh, did they find out who she was? Yeah, she was Jilted a lover. YouTuber who... No, it wasn't, it wasn't a domestic violence thing. They killed she her was upset. account. Yeah, she was upset because they demonetized her account. You know what? Sorry to say, but maybe they'll live and learn now. It's horrible. Uh, don't record this. But yeah, they uh, <laughs> when when you uh, establish a business Too like for that. eBay or something like that, and they kill your account, it can ruin you. Oh yeah. yeah. So I can see the uh, aggravation there. Maybe <clears throat> they her father a... had warned the police that uh, he thought that she would be going to YouTube. Yeah, they should have a thing where they can uh, request actually, why and and have a, the... a submission process and that. Not have to go <laughs> to a gun. The update thing on uh, what I popped up said um, that uh, the police had talked to her like hours before she went, and they didn't think anything was going on. Why'd they demonetize it? Did they know? She was, uh, I, they, I, they described her as a lesbian social justice warrior, so I can kind of guess. I thought that was actually in vogue right now right Everybody's well yeah but if if you go over the line and you start doing quote unquote hate speech and hate speech nowadays is you know hate speech can be literally i don't like butterflies exactly it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, man what out, you hate butterflies get off, for get off the podcast. <laughs> yeah. right. you hater bananas taste weird <laughs> you hater <laughs> hashtag save the butterflies <laughs> ready for a podcast ready for a podcast countdown um, yeah, I am kind of, but you're in a lobster you're boat. Are, are, you, are, you, are you chewing a, a biscuit? Boat yeah, she's eating something. You got a you got a bowl in front of you, don't you? <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> now it's in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hey, it's been busy. I haven't had lunch, dude. You know, you got to analyze your audience. See how many people listening would figure out the engagement, the feedback. But that'd be, that'd be fun. I want to be here just to like watch that live one. I won't be on it. I'll just sit here and watch and giggle. <laughs> oh, no. If you're here, you got to be on it. Well, the cool thing is, is we are famous, but we're jiggle the handle famous. <laughs> we're, we're not so famous that the person isn't going to tell us to jiggle the handle after we use the toilet. It's like I the queen. I don't even know what that means. Well, if you have the queen nothing. of, it the queen of England comes to your house. You don't tell her to jiggle the handle after she uses the toilet. That's non-jiggling famous. You're referring to the toilet just keep making that sound, draining itself? Yeah. Jiggle the handle, stop it, yeah. Because, yeah, okay, I get it. So at what level do you have to be famous? Where <laughs> to you, clean up your own mess. Where you don't tell the person when they use your toilet 
to jiggle the hand. How many no. bombs did they explode out there? Are we going 15? to run like another half hour of witty banter <laughs> this time? Well, we're at 12, yes, we we're at 12 minutes. No, okay, okay. Not, countdown. Five, four, three, two, Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Live from the Tom Schilling Memorial Lobster Boat off the coast of Pennington Beach, this is the award-winning Stamp Show here today, episode number 168. I'm Cash. Amazon is dumping the post office. If these two kids can't make it, what chance do the rest of us have? We are just a conch shell away from Lord of the Flies. Or Lord of the Dance. Maybe it's Lord of the Rings. I'm Scott, and as much as I enjoy being co-inventor of the tube sock, you got to take the shovel. Now that's a groundbreaking invention. God, I didn't Ouch. And this is Mark. Yeah, that hurt. This is Mark. I've just started a collection of original gum. I keep it in a jar in my bathroom. <laughs> This is Tom. I'm excited to announce that I'm giving up. I'm grateful for this opportunity and can't wait to see how this turns out. Uh, this is Greg. I'm woefully underprepared again. <laughs> and I'm your stamp mistress, Dawn. I'm tired, and today I'm just phoning it in. Uh, literally, I'm phoning it in. Skyping it in. There is no preparing you for this awesomeness. <laughs> <laughs> We use the term awesome very loosely. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ew! Are we really award-winning? This is the award-winning. Really? What did we win? Yes. We won a Was liter- it monetary? It was a literature award, wasn't <laughs> it? Yeah, literature award at Chicago Packs. Let's get out Chicago of here. Chicago Stamp Show. We entered the literature contest. I just entered it again. <laughs> the, only pro- the only problem was, he, last time, we won something, but he only entered one episode, not the podcast uh, yeah. so they listen to like one not stellar episode so you, well, no, you no, didn't no, check actually, that little box did you what happened is uh, <laughs> we submitted one episode and they said well you can submit more ah. so this time I did I filled up a thumb drive and sent it off I think there's like 12 episodes on it so some poor sorry sap has to listen to that no they no. don't they, and they then half a dozen of them do but, but the hitch was is that I had to submit it as if it was a book so I had to describe the table of contents, feedback, and everything like that. So this time I should get another award just because we have, you know, a table of contents. We can say, you know, at minute marker number seven, we start talking about this and stuff like that. Brutal. So we'll see if we get uh, a, like, better, a better award. Like a better award, yeah. Did they actually give us a little trophy or something? We got a like silver. What do we get a silver, right? Sometimes. That's so cool. <laughs> But there's the problem. It's only a literature award. They haven't embraced the fact that there's more ways to communicate with people yet. <laughs> well, they have digital media 
Mm. But what digital media is, is it's downloaded books. Oh, it's like, well, still books. Well, but digital media also includes us. Are we recording? Yes. Oh, yes. Well, I, I, we, had a count, we had a countdown and everything. I rented yeah, uh, an audiobook once that came on a cassette, an old-fashioned cassette, and it stuck with me literally my whole life. The... <laughs> The uh, the instructions of how to use it were recorded upon it, so you you put it in it. It, <laughs> it told me that if it wasn't playing right, to take it out in a nice formal British accent, take it out and wrap it smartly on the table and put it back in. <laughs> so I did it just for the hell of it, <laughs> smartly as hell. I think I chipped the damn thing, put it back in. Oh, how fun! <laughs> Audiobooks. I don't have the voice. Now, board, now if it wasn't working properly, how would you have known to do that? I, I just I wrapped it smartly, like really <laughs> smartly. By the way, did you all try the chocolate Whopper at Burger King? Cash did. The fast food chain announced the release of the chocolate Whopper, a dessert version of its Whopper hamburger, coming soon to your local Burger King. The chocolate Whopper, according to the release, includes a chocolate cake bun, a flame-grilled chocolate patty, raspberry syrup instead of ketchup, white chocolate rings that look like onions, candied blood oranges in place of tomatoes, milk chocolate leaves of lettuce, and vanilla frosting mayo to top the whole thing off. The new chocolate Whopper coming soon to your local Burger King. I just became diabetic reading this. Yeah, it's part yeah, of the no new kidding. diabetic menu. Uh, it's all made from leftover cho- Easter chocolate. And why are we even <laughs> discussing this? Bunnies. It's the pre-diabetes menu. Uh, we're we're uh, disgusting. The only thing missing would be Good peeps. One. Oh, no, peeps. I, I read something about peeps. It was hilarious. How to eat. It says open, throw, and trash. <laughs> oh, I don't know. You either love peeps or you hate them. There's no middle ground. <laughs> Let's get some stamp issues. No, wait, we're going to 20 minutes, 20 minutes in, we're going to discuss stamps on a stamp podcast. <laughs> oh, this novel. isn't 20 minutes. This is like three minutes. <laughs> oh, with all the editing. Yeah. Stamp show here today. Stamp show here today. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. We're going to use the I word today and make a lot of people unhappy. So get into your safe space and cuddle up with your comfort animal, because we're going to discuss investing in stamps. Last week, we spoke about Mr. Bill Gross selling his U.S. stamp collection. Over the course of his lifetime, it is estimated that Mr. Gross spent between 50 and $100 million on stamps. His fortune is estimated at $2.2 billion, so that. Bill Gross isn't the big spender on stamps either. At least a third of the estimated 60 million stamp collectors across the globe are Chinese. Another third are based elsewhere in Asia. According to some reports, 64% of Chinese millionaires invest in luxury goods and primarily in rare stamps. For this and other reasons, rare stamps were the second best performing luxury asset over the past 15 years. Number one was classic cars. So why invest in stamps? Rare stamps offer stability and significant upside potential. First, rare stamps have little correlation to any publicly traded securities market. Second, they are mostly immune to governmental policy. They offer slow, steady returns over market cycles. Finally, as Mr. Gross has stated, the price of rare stamps just keeps going up. May I ask a question quick, quickly? Why is investing a bad thing in this industry? You mean, no, 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 no. Investing is not a bad thing. Oh, okay. She said that. Talking I about investing is a bad thing. 
I don't follow. People think that it is oh, not highbrow. It's lowbrow to speak about investing in stamps. Because anybody can get in at any level. Is that it? I mean, you can buy st- stocks at any level. <laughs> so, uh, I, I eh? yeah. you want me to, uh, comic books, why we like investors? Sure. Because um, it drives prices up. Drives yeah. prices up. It adds money to the industry, uh, allows something that potentially could go away, stay around. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you see, if, if we did that in stamps, then you'd have to actually pay heaven forbid, catalog value for your stamps well, no, to it's, buy them? It's more than that. It's um, If you look at a lot of the publications, they talk about collecting. They talk about the joy of stamp collecting and stuff like that. Okay, yeah. And uh, bringing money into it sullies it for some reason. It's, now, I, personally, whenever somebody tells me, you know, oh, you shouldn't talk about investing in stamps, I say, not a problem. Just never pay more than 50 bucks for a stamp. Because if you spend $1,000 for a stamp, you want to get your 1000 bucks out. Okay, I think, Pe- I, I, think who, I get it. People who build model trains don't build the model train and then say, I am going to sell this model train and really make a bunch of money. Right, they, they don't keep do that. that and pass it down to the next generation. Well, right, it's a thing. The other thing is, though, you know, they may build buy a really expensive, like, station for their train yeah and it'll be 75 dollars you know they're not spending thousands of dollars on an item because it's not an investment whereas in stamp collecting uh the people who talk about this stuff i think really fool themselves they say you know we want really high prices for our stamps but it's not investing and it's like well why would anybody give you a lot of money if they didn't anticipate getting money back for it well, in the interesting thing, a correlation in the, the comic industry is you can buy comics at a high grade or something you're going to actually get graded, or you buy reader copies yeah. just to own it. Yep. Um, I, I get a, a, a shipment from Diamond, and half the books are junk. The ones on the top and the bottom have rubbings. They're just trash. I give them away as reader copies. I donate them to charities and things like that. But if you go to a comic shop and you want to have that issue, if it's not a super high... Yeah, something that's just ridiculous. First appearance of something like Wonder Woman. Even a crappy copy is going to be expensive. But they have a whole box, 25-cent box. So you can finish your collection of those comics. They're not nice, but they're readable. And you got all of them, and they're 25 cents a pop. Well, I used so to go, stamps doesn't have yeah, that, I guess. I used to go to a comic book shop where I played magic. You know, they had <laughs> big tables of magic. Such a geek, I love it. I know. Uh, and there was, he had a slabbed 95 uh, Wolverine number one. Oh yeah, right. Nice. And at the time, Wolverine number one or first appearance in the Hulk. I'm sorry, first, first appearance in the Hulk. Yeah, the first um, Canadian superhero. Thank you very much. <laughs> and it was a 9.5. And back that then, explains the spandex. <laughs> it was seventeen hundred and fifty dollars. I mean, today it's I think like a six or seven thousand dollar. Yeah, one index a high grade would be yeah. worth good money. But it was like little less than two thousand bucks. And the person said, you know, it's slabbed. How can I read it? And the guy goes, not a problem. Here's another one over here next to it for 50 bucks in lousy condition. You can buy them both. I'll throw that one in. You can go ahead and read it. And I think there's also an initiative where they're scanning old comics, um, uh, ones that are now kind of public domain or some licensing like that, where you can still read the old comics. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that neat? Yep. So anyway, that's why uh, Stamp 
stamp collecting is seen as the uh, collecting interest of kings and that you shouldn't bring investing into it, which is total hogwash, in my opinion. I, I can see the, the pros and cons of that. And it is frustrating when you can't complete a collection of something. It just kind of irks you. You'll have all the, the, you know, every stamp of a certain era, but that one's damn $10,000, and I just can't justify it. Well, it could irk you. Well, only three people have col- completed a U.S. collection. Well, what the catalog defines as a right, U.S. collection, right, right. which, in my opinion, is hogwash. Well, of course. <laughs> well, we've had investors uh, get into the stamp market in the 70s, people that didn't normally collect stamps, and it was terrible for the industry. Well, that's because they all dumped them in the early 80s. <laughs> Right, yeah, because they they the, the what do you mean it they, was what do you mean it was terrible for the industry? Well, because the uh, it drove the prices up. Um, you know, when we had the hyperinflation in the seventies, it drove the prices of stamps up. Yeah, and then when investors realized that they that they are not going to realize the gains that they that they thought they'd get, they started dumping them. Well, and that's because they got greedy. Well, yeah. it, but that's not also the case. Well, it's, I think it's the collectors that got. They got well. The, the ones, well, yeah, the, the ones collectors that got held. priced out. No, right. the, the collectors did get priced out of the market. Yeah, and the ones that bought and held got screwed. But you know something, it's the same thing with art. You know, you really want to have a nice Van Gogh, and damn it, you're priced out of the industry. But that's a finite resource stamp. So you guys just made me think of something. Uh, comic book companies almost uh, Marvel, for example, almost went under in the eighties overproduction. Yep. yep. And now they only produce what the shops buy. Uh, beforehand, I ordered two months before the shipped. I didn't actually think about that with stamps. Do they do something similar? They issue a stamp. Is it a finite amount, or is it what the market wants? They'll sell as many stamps until no, they stop buying. They generally have a printing, and they're all printed before they even go on sale. Oh, yeah. so so it is a set number. Yeah, okay. yeah, but it's generally more than the market can absorb. And, and if and if they can't sell them all, they burn them. Well, supposedly they burn them. Well, the Zeppelins, the, there's a set of stamps. That's <laughs> they crashed and burned? Yep. <laughs> oh. The Zepp sets, they, they burned a bunch of those. They couldn't sell them. They were very, very high face value, and they, they thought they, they were. They were actually very affordable until the 70s. Yeah. And Probably burned really good, too. <laughs> that's hate speech right there. <laughs> Strike one. <laughs> We still haven't seen all 100 Jenny sheets. <clears throat> they only issued... Jenny, that's that, that uh, inverted... Uh, uh, no, I, I think they're up to about 65. You're shaking your head no. No. You don't think there's 65 no. of them out there yet? No. Huh. Do you think you that the National fit, Postal Museum uh, You should fill Greg, fill Greg in briefly. With the you're talking about that inverted Jenny yeah. that, they, that big deal. Well, they they reissued a commemorative sheet of upside down Jennies. Yeah. There were two dollars, and a hundred of them they, they printed a plane upside up the correct way. Oh, nice! And then they were supposed to randomly. They seed were supposed them? to be salted randomly through the United yeah, States. Yeah, not so much. Turned out that was a uh, big problem because they Don. didn't do that. It, 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 it is disheartening when you hear things like this. Like, remember McDonald's, that Monopoly game? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you hear the big fandango with that? Yeah, like... For the uh, first 10 years, his only... His daughter won, yes, and his uncle only won, nepotism, and his, right. the, his attorney won. Right, exactly. <laughs> so all those times as a kid, I was shoving Big Macs in my yeah. face, trying to get those stupid Monopoly things. Yeah, I could but never that's win. Only, that's only the big ones. Those small, you could still win the burger and the fries. Oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah, you hate to hear that. So that is the good side, but today we are going to talk about Warren Buffett and his excursion into stamp investments. 
1959, a stock guru was scheduled to speak, and Warren Buffett and a friend went to hear him. On the drive from Nebraska to Wisconsin, the friend suggested that the four-cent stamp, the 1954 Blue Eagle Airmail stamp, that's Scott's C-48, was going to be taken out of circulation and would one day serve as a collector's item. Buffett was convinced the four-cent stamp could someday be worth up to 80 cents each, which after carry costs and the like would yield a tidy profit of 700 to 2,500% after adjusting for the expected interest rates and inflation as well as other opportunity costs as they waited several years for their windfall as the market developed. All math. Lots of economics there. That was dizzying. (laughs) That was dizzying. On the way back to Omaha, the pair would stop at the post offices and begin to corner the market on the four-cent Blue Eagle stamp. The big hole came in Denver, where they purchased 200,000 stamps for $8,000. The CPI, uh, my CPI calculator says... $8,000 $8,000 then is the equivalent of $55,000 today. So they spent the equivalent of $55,000 on postage stamps. In total, they bought about 400,000 stamps for about $16,000. So $16,000 in today's dollars is about $110,000 they invested. As the years went by, Buffett found himself encountering a problem. The stamps never became a collector's item. No one wanted the 1954 four-cent Blue Eagle stamp. They cornered the market, gave the stamps years to mature in value, and it just never happened. In 1982, Warren Buffett sold the stamps at a 10% discount off of the face. His partner held on to his share of the stamps and used them as postage for the rest of his life. <laughs> he probably still didn't get rid of them all. <laughs> I wonder if he'd sell me his original gum. Are they collectible now? Uh, only if you want a complete airmail collection. <laughs> but they are commonly available. Well, see, that's a, a fun collect stamps that caused pain to people. <laughs> that's my collection. A painful investment collection. <laughs> bad investment. Bad ROI. <laughs> Buffett spent $8,000, which was about $55,000 today, and sold the stamps for 90% of face, which is 7600 or about 20000 today. By the way, the stamp catalogs for... 25 what, cents. make sense, Cash? 20 cents. Oh, 25? Minimum value is 25. All right. I totally want one now. Is that weird? In reality, though, you can still buy them for pretty close to face. Okay, now I see what you're saying. So if he had them today and could sell them for full catalog, he would still lose a little bit of money. But since it's still considered discount postage, getting full catalog would be near impossible. So, adjusted for inflation, he lost a bunch of money. That loss from stamp investment had a large influence on Warren Buffett's approach to investing. You never hear about Warren Buffett buying art or ancient artifacts. A great quote from Mark Twain applies to Warren Buffett. Twain said that once a cat sits on a hot stove, it will never sit on either a hot stove or a cold stove. I have a take on it. You can't force something to be collectible. And it's what he was trying to do. Look at yes. look at Beanie Babies. They were sold as a collectible. They're worth crap today. There was a buying frenzy for a while, but then it goes away. Uh, 
the beauty in collecting is finding that rare gem that wasn't sold to be collectible, but became collectible because of scarcity. Because nobody saved it. Uh, well, it's right. Like, it's like the reason. random. It's like the random few people in the seventies who never opened the Star Wars toys they bought from the store. Yeah, I know. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I know. As a kid, when I got them. I destroyed them playing with them so much. There was never a thought uh-huh. in my mind that this is someday going to be worth money. I had too many siblings, so I always got them used. They were already open. I had no choice in the matter. <laughs> well, I was always ta- taught that there were there are two basic definitions. One, a collectible is never sold as a collectible. Absolutely god-awful truth. Number two is collectibles have to be depreciated. G.I. Joe's, they have to be played with. If you get something that's in a box and it survives in the box, that's great, but that should be the anomaly. That's the odd thing that somebody found. That's exa- the Golden Age of Comics, Platinum Age now. Yeah. Would be, they didn't collect. They read these things. They they obliterated them, threw them away. And that's why, you know. And that's why. Action you, Comics what, 1 is worth $3.2 million. $3. million. And that, that's why when you find them in a condition that somebody actually took care of it, even if they... It usually got, was a mistake. Even if it got read, you know, my my son, when you give him some... When I gave him toys as kids, you know, because I collected stamps, he saw me take care of the things that I owned, as well as the furniture and the everything else in the house. And from that, he just naturally took care of his things. He didn't necessarily keep the packaging on his toys, but... You know, sometimes we would buy him something and say, eh, we'll put the box up there to store it in. And so some of the things we may have have packaging for, but uh, he always took care of them. He didn't throw them against the wall and drive them through mud puddles <laughs> and, th- you know, whatever. So well, uh, I, I he know, just took uh, care of it, and that's the anomaly. I yeah. know a person who had a Barbie, like pristine condition. He's talking about himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And the girl was given the Barbie, and she said, I'm too old to play with Barbies. And so the mother just said, ah, now, and threw it up in the closet. Well, lo and behold, literally 40 years later, they dug it out because they had thrown it in a box, and it's still mint in the box and everything. It was just an anomaly. It's yeah. Every other Barbie in the world was played with. And then the brother would get it, and he'd use the magnifying glass on it and, and rip the legs off. And the firecrackers. And, and the firecrackers and everything else, and that's why Barbie number two is scarce. I, I, I associated with that messed up kid in Toy Stories that blew everything up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was me all <laughs> yeah. around. By the way, Barbie originally was, came from uh, France or was inspired by a toy in France that was a sex doll. You would give this doll to your perspective date. It was kind of an alluring thing. Look it up. It's creepy. It's really interesting. And say point to what you want me to do. Uh, Honestly, it's just, it's a weird origin story for Barbie, but that's really where it came from. (laughs) Okay. Duh. (laughs) Well, uh, speaking about rules, Warren Buffett had basically three rules, and it's kind of weird because I got this out of an article about Warren Buffett, the person who doesn't want to invest in stuff. So the first one is stick with what you know. And I, Mark, I think that's really what you brought up was during the the boom boom times. Boom uh, boom times. Every everybody was buying. <laughs> Sorry. Do, do, yeah, I, know. I put an extra boom in there, right? <laughs> during we, the we, boom we went there. I'm Sorry. During the boom times, 
people bought stuff that they didn't know about. Mm. And they weren't aware of the markets. And I remember, like, the airlift plate block. Because I'm old enough where, you know, I was alive back then. And the airlift plate block is $4 in face value. Well, today, it's like $4 in face value. But people used to almost use it like currency. They were worth 12 bucks each. And you would circulate them as if they were $12 bills, basically. You could go into a stamp shop and buy something and say, I want 120 bucks," And they say, how about 10 airlift plate blocks? And they go, sure. What, what is a plate block again? I'm sorry. It's That's what the... Four stamps with the number on the corner. Okay, thank you. And so uh, they didn't... They were not aware of how the market, how they printed stamps, stuff like that. They were sort of newcomers in. And a lot of people made, I mean, that's why I kind of disagree with Mark. A lot of people made a lot of money on stamps. It was sort of the people at the end who, I guess, you know, were the last person when the music stopped. You know, there was no chair available. Yeah. And so they you know, had this collection that they either sold for a discount or had to wait literally probably 10 Decades. years before. More, more. Okay, yeah, before they got their money back. But today, you know, it, it's <laughs> it's doing well today. Yeah, well, you, for, had, you had people that weren't even collectors that were going to the post office and buying up sheets. Oh, that you know, happened. Just every day, that every was day actually, people. That was actually post-World War II they started that. Mothers would do it. Mothers would do it because they figured it was an easy way to get easy way to get into their uh, as an investment. Yeah. Um, because to invest, you basically had to have a bunch of money, and and uh, you know a lot of these uh, families didn't have a lot of money. But if you bought postage stamps, that was an easy way to invest for the future. Oh, how neat! What era was this again? The fifties. And did that pay off for these investors? Yeah, oh, we're, we're, uh, we're we're still buying that stuff at discount postage. Uh, you off, know, discount because off of it phase. was overpurchased and overcollected. Yeah. Yes. Well, when your mother is making investments, you know that it's. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. There's some pretty smart women out there, but. <laughs> but, Scott. Yes. A lot of these 1950s housewives, they were in the workforce back in the 40s during the war effort. Right, but then they went back to work in the house in the 50s when uh-huh. their husbands came home. Yeah, so and, they're intelligent, trained females. Right, right. <laughs> and, but they didn't have their own stream of income. No, they did not. And so what little refund, uh, resources that they had, they would set aside a little bit and, oh, I can afford to invest in stamps. And because, you know, stamps in that era, things like the Zeppelins, the... Oh, stamps were going up massively. Yeah, stamps were going up massively. So they figured, Mm -hmm. well, I'll invest in stamps, but not knowing that, uh, you know, you don't buy the stuff that's current coming out. You have to buy the older stuff that has a limited supply. Well, that brings up number two is to have a forever outlook. You know, you hold stuff for a long time. They were buying this for a forever outlook. They were look. They were not looking at turning this over in a year. They were looking at this as like college funds. True, but not every not every classic stamp is a barn burner investment. No, I mean you don't invest in two cent Colombian stamps. You invest in five dollar Colombian stamps. Right, and you have to look at that. So, the the problem with investing in three cent commemorative stamps as they're issued 
yeah, just on the face of it, it doesn't sound like a good idea to me anyway. Well, that's because we're in it, though. If, well, but you, if you're going to step into something, you got to know what you're getting into. Right. That's the first rule. So back first to the first rule. rule. Stick to what you know. Yep. For investment, I, I'd say that is sound advice, sage you know, advice. You know, I once, I once heard a, uh, an anecdote that said Bill Gross was in stamps for two years before he ever bought his first stamp. And the whole point was that all he did was read and learn. Mm-hmm. about stamps and about stamp collecting before he ever spent a penny on stamps. I uh, did something kind of goofy. Uh, so I wrote a database in the system to publish a comic books, uh, a store, a local store, publish their information to the Internet, uh, multiple sales channels, eBay, for example. They went under before they could buy the software for me, so I was just sitting on it. Uh, didn't know what to do with it. So what I did is I went and donated my time Wednesdays for a few months at a comic shop uh, behind the counter. Just free labor. Oh, that's when they get new comics in. And that's how I learned the industry. Took a couple months just seeing what it was yeah. before I did the damn thing with it. Yep. And Warren Buffett's third rule is uh, understanding timing. He said, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. <laughs> And uh, so that's kind of exactly, you know, there was uh, in the book Groucho and Me, uh, Groucho was alive during the Great Depression, and he recalls being in an elevator with the elevator boy, and the elevator boy was talking about stock tips. And he said, you know, in hindsight, when the elevator boy is talking about stock tips, you need to get out of the stock market. He lost a lot of money on the stock market, a lot, uh, a lot of other people. Yep, yep. Well, as you know, today's general mantra in, in a lot of collecting circles is that the stamp hobby in America is dying, which I don't think is true. It's just changing in a way that they don't see because they're not uh, tech savvy. Explain the dying. Uh, what What is our perception? Uh, I guess the perception is there are fewer and fewer collectors every year. Oh, and they, getting older, and right. They, and yeah. they don't see all of these younger people coming in online, say those who listen to podcasts yeah, and cool. those who <laughs> buy on eBay. Although, you know, some a lot of collectors who we consider old now are at least savvy enough to understand eBay. Uh, but, uh, well, I think you brought up a really good point with eBay because when you have a stamp shop and you have 40 people a day walking in the front door and then all of a sudden it goes to 20 people a day, you say, well, the business is down by half. Well, when eBay started, all of a sudden these people said, I'm not going to go to the stamp store. I'm going right. to what you, what you don't realize is the, the stamp store down on the other end of town just opened up and they're drawing all your business right. and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, and you don't have to leave your house to go there. Right. And and these you know these these generally uh older collectors uh are not realizing that and they don't see it so they say the hobby's dying. Well, it's it's not. And based on you know, certain other things that I see, prices brought for certain stamps at auction and things like that, I can definitely say that that, uh, there's a market out there and it is changing but not dying. I 
think that when people and, say it's dying, it's anecdotal and it's for their area. So, yes. like, if they are in Des Moines, Iowa, and they see the collector like base drop, then stamp collecting is dying in Des Moines, Iowa for this guy. Well, well the other thing it's is... Like, okay, fine. Well, the other thing, the guy that collects mops on stamps, well... You know, three collectors get out of that field, and well, the hobby's dying because nobody's buying mops on stamps. Sanitation device. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. Love yeah. it. Yeah. So, so, but you know, over here with uh, you know, ghost sheets on stamps, you know, that one is booming. So, but the guy over here that collects mops on stamps doesn't see it. Well, but, another cool thing though is, and I know this wasn't in comic books because comic book collecting is relatively recent. Yes, but, I would agree. But in stamp collecting... In comparison to stamps, of yeah, course. In the 1932, 33, that time period, um, everybody said stamp collecting was dead. I mean, not dying, but actually gone. You know, the stamp market has been dying for... Oh, the stamp market's been dying... years? No, the stamp market's been dying for over 100 years. <laughs> I mean, literally in the 1870s and 1880s, they started complaining. Uh, all you have to do is find old stamp journals and and uh, things like that, and you'll see that even before the turn of the century, people were saying the stamp hobby is dying and mm. blah blah blah. Well, you can, you have to embrace change. I uh, heard something, no, you don't. Well, I heard something interesting. <laughs> it was Aristotle's Plato. Well, one of the two complained about the youth of the Greek that the youth of that day. That's how usually they, what they did. How they were the worst, and he couldn't imagine that. Uh, the next generation would be able to take the mantle of the country. So it's human nature. The The generation that follows, they're morons to <laughs> the, the current generation. Well, that's but, okay. They, but they think we're the morons. If so. you can get around that and and look and kind of see what formed them, what influences them, you want to pass a love of something onto them. So comic books will be, uh, no one wants to hear it, but they'll probably not exist in 10 years. A tangible product that costs a lot of money when everything's going digital. My son, who's five now, in college will never, high school may never touch a book. It'll be literally on a tablet. How are comic books going to survive that? I don't know. They tried digital. It didn't work. Oh, I think that it'll survive from the nostalgia standpoint. Right, and but it I, won't be a boom that is today, so you could argue it's dying as well. Well, yeah, well, but, but I, I, I think but it's the trans, trans, it's, but it's it But it translates into movies. Exactly, and, those ancillary and products. So, and, and so now you have all these movies... And you have things like Comic-Con, which promote not only the movies, but the print art as well. And I think it's going to translate into comics more so than, say, stamps, because how many people get stamps on their mail? Well, here's the interesting part, though. Here's well, what I wanted to bring yeah, up. Hold on, hold on. I, I wanted, just inherited I wanted... a stamp collection, okay. a very large one, um, from the Yukon, parts of Canada, and all over the world. My grandfather was a very wealthy man. And as he traveled the world, he would send stamps back to my mother and she was in Whitehorse, Yukon, uh, as isolated as you could get back in the day. And um, she collected stamps. And to her, it was a way to interface with the world. It was a neat thing that yeah. doesn't exist. But the Absolutely. love of that translated to me. I didn't care about stamps. I got her collection, started talking to her about it. And then I see the joy in the... It's actually kind of pretty and beautiful, this little girl in the middle of nowhere collecting stamps from all over the world. And she might have some valuable ones, it turns out. Airmail in the mm -hmm. Yukon and stuff. Some really weird stamps. So I'm getting this gigantic collection, and now I have this interest. So I'm a new generation. Never thought of collecting stamps. 
I mean, stamp collecting, really. I can barely pronounce the word. <laughs> and uh, so I, it's just one of those things. If you're open to change and you're open to what new generations like, what old generations like, you can see this 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 history, this nostalgia. And so now I'm going to have a stamp collection. Gosh damn it, I'm going to get some graded. But yeah, hold on, yeah, hold but, on. But, I, but, I, but I, you're, you're also rediscovering history. I know, it's and, neato. And that kind of gives you a connection and a grounding to the past which I think we all crave at some level. And, uh, and uh, you know, it doesn't hurt that you find it intriguing. Well, I think intelligent people, maybe this is an art form or a collecting for people that aren't just knuckle draggers. There's some research <laughs> to be done. It's a comic book you literally can just read and have fun with as a kid. Stamp collecting took some thought, yeah. forethought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just go down, spin a, a nickel or a dime on a comic book, read it, and throw it at your friend. Oh, that's that's my favorite. I like the story behind the stamp. Yeah. So stamp collecting is a bit uh, upper crust or upper brow, yeah. perhaps. Well, that's one, one, first of all, that's one of the reasons why it's called the hobby of kings. But um, but you can get into stamp collecting at any level, just like you get in comic collecting or coin collecting at any level. You can be the garbage can collector or you can be the... Uh, <laughs> You know, if you collect magazines, maybe you collect old Playboys. You know, it, it just, you get into it at whatever level, A, you can afford, and B, you if you have an interest, it expands to that level of interest. Well, I wanted to address one thing that Scott brought up is that, uh, you know, you're not using stamps on envelopes anymore. I don't think that that has any influence on it. Well, it kind of does because well, producing me, new ones, on. potentially. Let, let me ask you a question. Stop. Let me ask you a question. How much coinage or paper money do you spend? You know, a stat just quite came a, out that quite a the bit, new generation actually. barely keeps money in their wallets. One in five. Yes, exactly. Well, well, I look at that. It's credit cards and stuff like that. So, right. But nobody says, well, coin collecting is going to end because people are using credit cards. Well, it doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah, but, but here's the thing. You know, when I was growing up, I would wait for the mail to come and I would run out and see what was in the mail and and I would... You know, the mail would arrive and it all had stamps on it, whether it was business mail or or personal mail. It didn't matter. They all had stamps on it and there were all sorts of different stamps. So I was aware that these stamps were out there and that, that there were lots of different ones. Did you get into collecting stamps in that manner? I did not. Oh, but okay. you listen to some of these old a, guys a and they story. say, uh, you listen to some of these old guys and they collected and traded and dealt in stamps when they were 9, 10, yeah. 12 years old. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. It's like, it's a, it's, it, that's not how people think. But he was, he has That's not po- how people think. But, but Mark, he was exposed uh, to coins. Scott does have a point that there's not going to be new media entering in, they're not going to be exposed to it like you were. So new stamps, by the way, I have a question. Are stamps being issued in less and less volume now? No, <laughs> because they're not really. Uh, there's not as much utilizing the stamp postage well, as me, it was in the past. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Now I can't ask you, but think about like your kid. How many comic books does he see when he goes to school? Zero. Probably not a single one. Yeah, it's all like from the movies now. Yes. What happens is you look at the movie. Not, not just movies, products. Uh, products and movies. Little knickknacks, clothing, yeah. things like that. And so you say, hey, Spider-Man. I really like Spider-Man. Oh, there's a collectible of Spider-Man comic books. And so you start comic book collecting. I, I did not get into stamp collecting because I saw stamps on the mail. I got into stamp collecting because I liked history. Oh, oh that makes a lot of sense. And I said, 
wow, you know, look at this. And I dabbled in coins. And for me, this is just for me, coins to me didn't have the diversity that stamps do. Right. I mean, you get a coin, it's like, oh, yeah, wow, look at that. But you get a stamp and you can have 25 different stamps that tell the same story in different ways. See, when I got into stamp collecting, and I, I don't really talk about it a whole lot, but um, it wasn't really, I, it could have been any collectible. Yeah, me too. Uh, because exactly. what I what I enjoyed doing was sorting through a bunch of crap and making order out of it. Were you in your preteens? No. No, I, Usually collecting I, hits you at about 13. No, it hit me probably That's, in my early 20s. And well, I started with comic books because there was a comic book shop literally down the road from the <laughs> naval base where I was stationed. Oh, cool. And so that's how I ended up. comic books is a big deal. That's yeah. how I ended up with a bunch of comic books. But, you know, a few years later, you know, I kind of stumbled into stamps and kind of did the same thing. Okay, I got to complete this set or I got to fill this album. And it just kind of snowballed from there oh yeah do you guys have albums that with slots we know what stamp should go there yeah uh, that type oh of it's a, fu- a funny story for me i um my mother got me hooked on stamp collecting if do you remember the akron akron yeah uh-huh, yes what is it sounds familiar <laughs> uss akron was a zeppelin no 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 oh. akron yeah. uh the the store oh it was it, like a discount store it no, was I don't a discount remember. store and they yeah. had this little album and she paid a dime for it and she gave it to me for christmas and it had, uh, you know, it was like 40 pages. And it had the entire world in 40 pages. And I had no clue how many stamps there were. And so in the beginning, they it was a U.S., you know, it was sold in America. So the U.S. is in the front instead of under U. Okay. So I go to this, and it was Jonathan's Stamp Shop in Inglewood, California. <laughs> and the there was a U.S. number one. There was a U.S. number two pictured. Then there was a blank spot, and then it showed a three-cent banknote. I went to uh, Jonathan's Coins, and they had this tub, a huge, huge, huge table with like four-inch walls filled with stamps. And I saw that green stamp, and I thought, oh, my God, that's the third stamp of the United States right there. How much is it? (laughs) And they said two cents. Everything in there is two cents each, and I bought the third stamp of the United (laughs) States for two cents. And from that point forward, I was a stamp collector. No kidding. Well, I was at least aware of it because um, way back in the day, um, Woolworths used to be called slangly called a five-and-dime store. Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. I remember... mean five-and-dime. Basically, you could buy a lot of things in Five there for, for either a, dime. a nickel or no, a no, dime. no. I think ninety-nine cent store. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, but great I, place to go. I remember seeing bags of stamps as a you know eight, nine, ten-year-old kid go in there with my mom, and I'd see in the hobby aisle there'd be bags with stamps in them from all yep. over the world. No kidding. Yep, and you could buy a bag for ten cents or. 25 yep. cents. Uh, I'd be neat if somebody still had one of those bags unopened. That'd be neat. Oh, they still are. They they're, still they're exist. They're around, yeah. Oh, how oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they're actually around all over the place. And they're still like 10 cents each. Yeah, that's rad. <laughs> that is rad. Common stamps were not a good investment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure everybody has these these stories. Uh, what I what I I fear as I get older, is that I can't associate with the next generation uh, because of what I do. I'm a developer. I write games. I write apps, mobile apps and whatnot. And it's interesting to 
to take a look at how they see things. Now, they're going to be inheriting stamp collections. It's going to be occurring. It just occurred for me. It'll occur for them eventually. It's not like anybody's going to throw these things away, of these things of value. So the way they perceive it will change. They're not going to perceive it as walking into walls or us and seeing a little yeah. bag of stamps. They're going to see it as something their great-grandfather did or the grandfather did. And to them, history, how they're going to perceive it, I don't know. But it's going to be different than the way this current generation or the previous or whatnot and embrace it. So slabbing might become a thing because that's what they're used to with a tangible product like that might increase uh, that they want to slab them. They might, I don't know if they want to uh, put them in a book and display them the way it's done in the past. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know what I'm going to do with it when I get it. Um, I'm, I'm kind of geeked to put things on the wall, you know, display things. Well, the only thing you have to do, be, you be careful with... Uh, well, I'm going to let print. you guys check it out and t- well, tell me if be, it's any good. Well, as you probably well know, with anything printed, you have to be careful with UV, light exposure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it has to be uh, protected properly. Absolutely. But yeah, I'm kind of excited to get this collection. I've heard about it since I was a kid. Yeah. I've never seen it. Uh, shall and we peter now, out? Now you've intrigued me, so. <laughs> well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this silk cop was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to send up. It's hard to send up. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Worst episode ever. Oh, not even close.